Coming up on the Sark Finder podcast, the man who wrote and performed this song about sarcoidosis will talk about how the disease and the lyrics are one and the same in his life. And if you listen closely, you will hear that he's likely singing your song. Mark Steyer, coming up on the Sark Fighter Podcast. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hi. I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome to the Sark Fighter Podcast. This is where all of us who are fighting sarcoidosis, including myself, can gather. We can learn from one another. We can listen to what other people are saying about the disease, how they're dealing with it, learn how they maybe have or haven't adapted to their new life once Sark has hijacked. It's the second time I've used that reference in the podcast here as we begin episode 12. And Hijacked, I think, is the perfect word because that's that's what happens with sarcoidosis. You're running along, fat and happy, and all of a sudden something doesn't feel right, and then something else doesn't feel right, and then you go to the doctor, and the doctor fusses around for a while, and eventually they get to sarcoidosis. And congratulations, now you have an answer. And the answer is you have a disease that nobody knows the cause and nobody has a cure. So we begin to manage the disease and we're dealing with the side effects of the medicine. And the medicine can be as bad as the disease itself in many cases. And, and so all of a sudden sarcoidosis has hijacked your life. Uh, speaking of which, um, I'm sitting here today on July 1st. The, the year is 2020, and uh, right now, actually, I feel like a flare might be coming on. Uh, I'm waiting to hear back from my doctor. We'll see, but the last time I had this feeling, this tightness in the middle of my back and the additional tingling in my arms and legs, 
Um, it was because of a flare in 2018, and uh, and it really resulted in a, a pretty terrible 2019. So I am hoping upon hope that either we can get in front of this, or it's not a flare, it's something else. I pulled a muscle, I don't know. Um, and, uh, and hopefully I won't spend all of the rest of this year on prednisone. If you've had prednisone, you know all about that. It's, uh, it, it, it's great because it works. It's terrible because of the side effects. But anyway, uh, I'll keep you posted on that. And uh, you can listen to episode one, which is my story. And you can hear all the, all the sad details there. But uh, today, uh, I'm actually really excited to be bringing you this podcast not only because of the content that we're about to hear, but because in my mind, this is working. So we're just a few months into the Sark Fighter podcast, and and it's something that I wanted to do because I've been in radio, I'm currently a television news anchor, and so talking in front of a microphone is something I felt like I knew how to do. Figuring out what to say when I'm talking about sarcoidosis, and I'm a lay person, I'm not an expert by any means other than what my doctors tell me and what I've read and you, you've all read on the internet. Uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know uh, a lot about sarcoidosis compared to a clinical professional, um, but but I decided I wanted to start talking about it, and and I'm just so gratified that it's working. People are reaching out to me. Uh, they are wanting to share their stories. They're they're. And, and they're sharing their stories. And sometimes it's not easy to let the world know how bad you're feeling. And in this world of HIPAA, you wonder, should I be, should I be sharing all this personal information? And yet people are doing it. And I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. Uh, I am a dog fanatic. And my wife and I have four dogs, including a uh, recently adopted boxer puppy from the local SPCA where my wife works and so we have lots of puppies come and go and for the most part we don't adopt them. It's been eight years since the last one but now I find myself with um, with four dogs and some people think that's nuts but I love it. Anyway, if you hear Pippa barking in the background, I apologize. I just close the door. So uh, back to what I was talking about. Um, I'm so happy that people will come on and they will talk about uh, their stories. And Mark Steyer of Alberta, Canada, the man who wrote that song called Zombie, is one of them. And I just want to share a little bit of the email that he sent to me when he was reaching out. So Mark writes, My name is Mark Steyer. I'm from Alberta, Canada. I recently came across your podcast through StopSarcoidosis.org while looking for sarcoidosis-specific COVID information, and I really enjoyed episode 9. I want to thank you for your work with the Sark Fighter podcast. I plan to go back and listen to some of the other episodes. A little bit about my story, Mark writes, I was diagnosed with cardiac sarcoidosis in February 2019, just a few months after my 30th birthday nearly a year after my early symptoms were misdiagnosed. I was hospitalized due to a late-stage AV block and had an ICD implantation, that's basically a pacemaker. It was and continues to be a very difficult time as I was only two years into my marriage and only two months into starting my own professional accounting practice. I'm a CPA. 
The last 15 months have been challenging as I've been taken on and off prednisone twice. I'm now on my second immunosuppressive treatment as the first was unsuccessful. I am fortunate that the drugs have so far prevented further damage to my heart, but they've had little effect in reducing the inflammation, so I'm not out of the woods by any means. Adjusting to the challenges of the disease has been difficult. I'm no longer able to play hockey. I've been a goalie all my life due to the ICD and the weight gain and other side effects of repeated high dosage, long-term prednisone treatments, which have taken a toll on me physically and mentally. Despite the adversity of the past 15 months, I've managed to build my business, strengthen my marriage, and knock off some bucket list travel, all things I'm very proud of. As a young, otherwise healthy guy, prior to the onset of this horrible disease, I've been lucky enough to be able to continue living my life despite the challenges and the uncertainty about my future. And so that's a bit, and then Mark goes on to talk about the song that he wrote and the fact that he is what he calls a hobby musician, although uh, the quality on this recording he sent me is, is just amazing. And he wants to donate all of the proceeds from this song to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. And so uh, the song again is called Zombie, it's on YouTube, and all of the information will be in the show notes of this podcast. So coming up, we're going to take a deep dive into some of those things Mark was talking about in his email, so we'll hear from Mark and we'll hear snippets of the song that he recorded with his band, by the way, called The White Hot Lizards. That's coming up on the Sark Fighter Podcast. Sarcoidosis, and it is written by and performed by Mark Steyer in Alberta, Canada. And Mark is joining us now on the Sark Fighter podcast. Mark, that is a some kind of a song, and I have to tell you, it really touched me. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's it's always a good feeling when you know so you're somebody else is able to connect to something that that you've you know, created, which is, which yeah. is really cool. Yep. So you have uh, sarcoidosis and you were diagnosed in early 2019. Would you share with the listeners to the Sark Fighter podcast, uh, how that came about and, and uh, how you, you have it in your heart and, and how you're dealing with that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I'd say for me, it goes back to probably the fall 2017, I started um, getting some, some very mild symptoms. Um, I found exercise was kind of getting progressively harder. Um, and uh, I, I went in, I, I went to a cardiologist in um, January of 2018 and uh, unfortunately was misdiagnosed with exercise induced asthma and given a puffer. Um, so I kind of battled with that. Um, I was a really active guy, I played hockey, went to the gym five days a week. Um, 
And uh, throughout the year 2018, um, things just kind of got progressively worse and worse and worse to the point where I'd be running on the track or on the elliptical at the gym. And uh, I had, an, I have an, you know, an Apple watch and um, I thought the stupid thing was broken because I couldn't get my heart rate above 75. And so I'm just, you know, just dying on the track, just sweating bullets and uh, totally out of breath. And I look at my heart rate and it's, you know, 75. So I was like, ah, stupid Apple watch. Right. Um, so I took it in uh, to the Apple store and they sent it off and then they actually sent it back to me. And they, uh, there was a letter from the, not really a letter, but just a little card in the package saying, uh, it's fine. You might want to see a doctor. <laughs> um, which was kind of funny. Uh, so again, I was just like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, I think I'm just out of shape. I think I'm just out of shape. You know, like, and uh, I was playing hockey at the time. I, I'm a, I was a goaltender. And I mean, we're talking beer league hockey, you know, not really all that intense. And all of a sudden, like I, I could barely make it through the first period. Like by the end of the first period, I was winded, sweating profusely. Like um, it was just, everything was getting really hard. And at, by December, 2018, I would struggle walking a couple of blocks. Um, you know, I, I lay on the couch and watch TV. And when I get up, I'd have a head rush and nearly blackout. And finally, um, I was at Mech, which is in Canada. It's very similar to REI down there. Um, and uh, REI is better. I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, I was walking up the stairs there and I momentarily blacked out and fell into a clothes display. So I went to my parents' house that night and I was, you know, I was complaining and kind of cantankerous about the whole thing. Um, and my, my dad just said, you know, go to the university hospital. They, you know, bring, bring your phone charger, bring your phone, bring your headphones and just camp out there all day. Go to the ER and just not leave until somebody, somebody sees you. Um, so I did just that. I spent the day there and uh, I, I was a healthy, you know, otherwise, like I looked healthy, you know, and my symptoms weren't particularly bad when I was um, sitting still. Um, you know, so the ER wasn't particularly happy to have me there. Um, but by law, they have to do, if you come in complaining of heart problems, they have to do an ECG on you. Aha, uh -huh. that's, a, that's a Canadian law, I would assume. I would assume so, yeah. yeah. And um, so the they doctor did, and he said, okay, no, something does look funny here. Um, we're going to bring a cardiologist in on this. So you just sit tight. And uh, they brought down this cardiology student, like one of the fellows. Um, and he looked at it and he's like, I don't know what to do with this. We got to bring, we got to bring like my, my guy and the actual cardiologist. And so he came in and he said, listen, like something's wrong. Um, we can tell you what it is. And what it is was a, um, oh gosh, I can't remember. But basically it's when your heart rate gets really, really slow. Okay. Irregular. Like there's an irregular rhythm to it. Arrhythmia. Is that what it is? I think maybe something like yep. that. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so he said, like, we gonna, we're going to have to put you on a, a halter device for two weeks. So you, you wear it. He said, do what you would normally do, work out. You know, every time you feel these symptoms come on, hit the button. It'll take a 30-second or one-minute recording. And then at the end of that two weeks, I brought the device back, and they uploaded the, excuse me, they uploaded the data. And I didn't hear anything for a while. And so I kind of waited for a few weeks, and... Hmm symptoms were still quite bad. And so I just kind of, I ended up calling, um, that, that part of the hospital, um, and just saying, Hey, you know what? Like I did this ultra device thing. I haven't heard back from anybody. And I mean, in, in Canada, we have a great healthcare system, but it, it certainly can be a bit slow at times. Um, and, 
So they said, well, the doctor hasn't even looked at it yet, so we'll send him a, a message to, to take a look at it. And later that day, and uh, yeah, later that day, I got a call um, from the cardiologist, and he said, are you alone right now? And I said, yeah. And he said, don't be. <laughs> Whoa. So he said, get somebody there, don't drive. And he said, we're going to call you in two hours when there's a bed freed up at the Heart Institute, the Mazankowski in Edmonton, which is one of the leading uh, cardiac wards probably in North America, um, which I'm very fortunate to live very close to. Um, yeah. And he said, then get somebody to drive you pack for a week or more. And so I, I was freaking out. I, at this stage in my life in uh, December, 2018, I had just quit my job. So I was a, with a, a chartered accounting firm um, for just over nine years. Um, and it, I had made the decision um, in, in December, right at Christmas time, uh, to quit my job and start my own accounting firm uh, with a partner of mine who was a coworker. And so when this happened, we were about a month and a half into our new business venture. And, you know, so it was a, yeah, it was, it was a very stressful time when I was admitted. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so you go to the hospital um, and they know that there's something wrong, but they don't know it's sarcoidosis yet. Uh, now, did you get, go through a misdiagnosis or did, what happened from that point forward? Um, no, the Mazankowski, they, they were very, very good. So they brought in a number of experts right away. Um, they immediately, the minute I got into the hospital, they hooked me up to the, you know, the, all the wires and, you know, kind of the 24 seven monitoring. Um, they did, I think I did a MRI that first day, I think, um, certainly an x-ray blood work. Um, and so yeah, I got, I got there in the evening. So it would have been the, the next day um, that I got the tests, a lot of the tests. And they really wanted to do a test called a PET-CT, um, which is essentially a CT scan, um, but with a radioactive dye. And it's, it shows essentially inflammation. It's for imaging for inflammation. And we just couldn't get that test. I don't know if they were, if they were really backed up or there was emergencies or whatever, but they just couldn't get me scheduled in. Um, so, you know, the, the, the lung specialist came in, the cardiologists came in. Um, I don't think a rheumatologist was involved at that time. Um, but they said, listen, we, we think it's probably one of these three things. And sarcoidosis was one of the three things. Okay. Um, and they said the best way right now to, to, we have to start ruling them out. Um, so the MRI ruled out one of them, um, which was some sort of, I think it was some sort of virus that gets in your bone marrow or something like that. Um, so the MRI seemed to rule that out. And, uh, but the MRI also obviously showed a, a drop in heart function and some scarring, um, which was very concerning for them. Actually quite a bit of scarring. Wow. Um, and so at that point they said, you know, you have so much scarring in your heart. There's no, like you get, you have to get a pacemaker. Like there's no, you don't, it doesn't matter what's doing this. You need a pacemaker because your electrical system is, is very, very damaged. It was like stage three, um, AV block. Wow. Um, so they gave me uh, an, I think it's, it's an ICD, ICD, that sounds right, um, which is essentially a pacemaker with a defibrillator in it built in. Yeah, so, so, so if, so if uh, your heart stops, the defibrillator re-triggers your heart. Yeah, or if it goes too fast. Or if it goes too fast, okay, got it. Wow. Um, and so they said, that's, that's happening. We're just, we're waiting in line for you to get that surgery done. Um, and, uh, but they said, we, we need to figure, we need to figure out what the diagnosis is. So a lot of my hospital stay there was, was waiting for the pacemaker and then waiting to get a diagnosis. 
And what did they, what they ended up doing is they said, you know, probably the easiest way to rule out SARC is, um, or at least to confirm it, um, is it lung biopsy because it, they can typically find the, the grand Grammy loans or something like Granuloma. that. Yep. Yeah. Um, in the, in, in the lungs. So they sent me for the lung biopsy, which I, they under drugged me for, and I woke up halfway through. Oh, so I can remember about the last 30 minutes of the lung biopsy. And so I woke up, you know, and you're gagging and coughing and stuff. And so I was pointing, I was, I was pointing at the IV, right? Like, give me more drugs, put me out, put me out. And they're like, sorry, the anesthesiologist like is gone. We can't give you any more drugs. You're going to have to white knuckle it. <laughs> well, that's the Canadian way. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's right. So they just, they just, you know, breathe. And you know, the nurses right. were great. You know, they were holding my hand, keeping me calm and stuff. So we got through it. Um, and they were like, well, yeah, we think we punctured his lung. Because like a lung biopsy, if you've, if you've had one before, you know, well, maybe you don't if you haven't woken up. But essentially when they take the biopsy, it's not just like a little snip. You know, you've got the big tube down, in, in your, down your throat into your lungs. And they put both hands on that sucker and they jam it. Ugh. So I don't know if it's like, I don't know how it works, but it's like being punched from the inside. And, uh, and so they're like, okay, get it out. And they yank it out. And, and they sent me immediately for an x-ray. And just to make sure that they hadn't punctured my lung, it's, and they didn't, they were awesome. Um, and then I, I was, I was pretty traumatized. So I kind of passed out and went to sleep at that point, but it, they were, I was very fortunate that the biopsy did confirm uh, sarcoidosis. So it was a, a cut and dry, um, a, cut, a very cut and dry diagnosis, which was very lucky. Wow. So, so that was, was that February of 2019 then? Is that, that's when you, so that's when you kind of started your Sark journey. Yeah. Um, I want to stop for a minute and play a portion of the song. And I want the, um, I want the listeners to pay attention to the lyrics here that begin with learn to suffer. You'll feel pain someday and learn endurance. Your strength will fade away. So let's listen to that for just learn a second. To suffer, you feel pain someday and learn endurance. Your strength will fade away dead man walking trying to keep up the pace dead man walking counting down his days and i don't know what will come look for silver linings but still i find suffer you'll feel the pain someday and then that stanza ends with dead man walking trying to keep up the pace dead man walking counting down the days sounds like you were in a bad place when you wrote that yeah, definitely yeah it was a that was an extremely difficult period psychologically because to be fair the the doctors as wonderful as they are um, they're not wildly comforting they're very clinical um you know, and I, when I was in the hospital, I would try and make jokes about it and, you know, be like, come on guys, you got to give me something here. Like, should I be calling my lawyer? Should I be updating my life insurance policy? Like what is going on here? You know, and they would not laugh at those jokes and they'd be very deadpan and they wouldn't really give you a straight answer. So it was always kind of like, you didn't really know how serious it, it was going to be long-term. Right. 
Right. Um, and there's a lot of, um, if you if you Google cardiac sarcoidosis, there's some very interesting wordings that come up saying like, you know, five-year lifespan, life expectancy, right? Like, and I've since learned that it's, it's they're, what they're referring to is like the treatment, like a five-year treatment plan. But it, when you read it as a layman person, it, it's like, oh, I'm going to, I don't have much longer to go here. Um, and so thankfully I had a pulmonologist that came in, um, Dr. Gilson, and she was incredible. She was one of the most lovely women I've ever, I've ever met in my life. And she was very comforting. And she said, go to stopsarcoidosis.org. She said, everything on there is, um, is, you know, it's very legitimate. It's very well researched. It's not fear mongering. Like it's, it's just a very excellent resource. And at the time I was so stressed out. I mean, still being in the hospital, my mom did it. Um, and gave me the Coles notes, but um, I wanted to stay off the internet if I could help it. Well, I think that's smart. Uh, that's that's one of the things that happened to me is you start reading that stuff and you just don't know. I've got it, you know, for listeners who may be new to the podcast, I've got it on my spinal cord, um, which I guess I'm thankful it's not in my heart, but it's, you know, I, I'm a, a couple of millimeters away from uh, losing a lot of body function. So, um, you you wonder about the next player and what's going to happen and it, and you you start reading what other people are saying uh it's really scary and i'm hoping that the sark fighter podcast tempers that a little bit by listening to real people's stories because uh people can't see you but you look great right now you know you look like you're ready to go out and you know mow the lawn or you know play hockey or whatever you want to do i i don't know I don't know that uh, maybe you're going to be doing that at the level you're used to, but I mean, you look like a fine, healthy person to me right now. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, I, I, you know, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. I do feel quite good. Good. So um, let's listen to uh, a little bit more of the song. This is the song zombie. And we are talking today with Mark Steyer of Alberta, Canada, uh, who wrote and performed this song and sent it to me. And we'll talk more about how this song might actually benefit sarcoidosis coming up. Um, But uh, let's listen to the part that begins with, there's no choice, try to adapt your life. Let's listen to that. Find a way to try and adapt your life. It's not the why, but the how that plagues my mind. A new perspective. Appreciate what you've got With dead men walking in an instant It could be gone And I don't know what will come Look for silver linings But still I find none The worst potential All right, and so uh, Mark, once again There's no choice, adapt your life We're dead men walking And any instant it could be gone That is the part uh, that's part of the takeaway that I've had with sarcoidosis is uh, live your life right now while you can. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. don't, you know. And I mean, I, I want to clarify the dead man walking line. I mean, when you're writing a song, um, you want to make it A, as relatable, and you want to have it, you want to have it fairly vague so that the most people in the world can relate to the sentiment, even if it's you know, not exactly their situation. I mean, whether you have sarcoidosis or a cancer diagnosis or, you know, something in your life that's extremely trying or, you know, gives you a sense of maybe the loss of a loved one or something that gives you kind of a sense of mortality that you've never had before. 
you know, that's kind of the point of, of the dead man walking is it's just to kind of come, it's coming to grips or trying to come to grips with the fact that, you know, you, your light, you have a plan for your life, but you know what they say, you know, you make plans and God laughs. Right. Right. Um, you know, so I, I was lucky enough to, you know, not really truly consider myself, you know, somebody that was on, on, you know, the brink of death, you know, once I learned a little bit more and, and stuff like that. But at the beginning, and you, you know, this, I'm sure very intimately at the beginning of a sarcoidosis, um, I guess, diagnosis, there is a ton of uncertainty because they don't know, they don't have a prescribed treatment that just fixes the problem. Right. Um, you know, and they say, well, we're going to try this and then we're going to do some tests. And if it doesn't work, we're going to try something else and then we'll do some tests. And hopefully the hope is, is we find something that takes the inflammation down and brings it into some level of, you know, if there's never true remission, but they use the term remission um, when you right. can get the inflammation under control. Um, you know, and so that's, that's scary. And it, it gets scarier as the first medication doesn't work and the second right. medication doesn't work. And, you know, at, at the beginning, you can kind of take some, um, you can take some comfort in knowing that there's a, there's a safety net right? There's, if the first medication doesn't work, the second medication will probably work. And if that doesn't work, God forbid, there's going to be another medication out there that'll hopefully work. But that, that blind faith in this, in the pharmaceuticals starts to wane when maybe the first thing doesn't work, or maybe the second thing doesn't work. And, and, um, you know, so it, maybe it's, it's maybe a bit melodramatic, the line dead man walking, but you, you really can feel that way, whether it's, whether it's reality or not, it's, it's well, kind of the emotion behind that. Let me jump in because when you initially contacted me, you said you went out and knocked off some things off your bucket list. I did. <laughs> so, what, so obviously you felt like, wow, if I'm going to do this, I better do it now. What'd you do? Well, um, I'm a huge, huge fan of the state of Arizona. And I think okay. most Canadians are because it is so hot. Um, but I've ever since I was a kid, like I went there when I was a very, very young or an adolescent and, and just really connected with it. I loved Sedona. I loved, you know, um, you know, the whole of Maricopa County is, it's, it's just, there's a lot of beauty there and I, I really like it. And I mean, if people do want to listen to this song and, and they find out, they kind of look at the rest of the group is called white hot lizards. Um, you know, if it's on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, we have other songs that are very desert themed. Um, but uh, so I mean, my cousin, like Arizona, that's right. Yeah. So my cousin was getting married down there um, in, gosh, was it October? I think it was October. No, yeah, I think it was October of 2019. And uh, so my wife and I just said, hey, you know what, like, let's do a road trip. Let's just, let's go Edmonton, Alberta, down to Phoenix. And let's, you know, let's take three weeks and, and do this, you know, do this thing and see some stuff we've always wanted to see. And, uh, you know, at, at the time it was the first year in, in business. So I had some, I had some downtime. We weren't, you know, that busy that time of year. Um, so my partner said, yeah, go. And, um, yeah, so we went down through, we, we came down from Alberta into Montana, um, into Wyoming, saw the Grand Tetons, which is really cool. Um, went down into, I think the next state would be Colorado. Um, my American geography is going to get me in trouble here. Oh, uh, that's um, all right. Most people but, get the uh, square states mixed up anyway. Yeah. So into Colorado and, and, you know, we went to, um, 
Boulder and we stayed there, which was a really cool city. I've always wanted, my wife just fell in love with Boulder. She'd move there Great if she could. City. Great city. Um, and then we went to the, uh, the Colorado sand dunes, the grand, the, the great sand. I think they're like the biggest sand dunes in North America. They're hard really? as heck to get to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they're way, way in the, I guess, Southwest corner of Colorado. Didn't know about uh, those, but there's, they're, they're amazing. Um, and then we went down into New Mexico. Um, I wanted, I really, really wanted to see the uh, white sands national monument, um, which was incredible. Um, and then my wife really wanted to see the very large array because <laughs> uh, she's a space nerd. And uh, so we did that and we stayed in Albuquerque, which was really cool. Um, Silver City, we worked our way from New Mexico into Arizona and stayed there for a while. And then we went up into Utah and did Bryce Canyon and, uh, and uh, the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, Zion. Zion. I was supposed to be there two weeks ago. I did, it got canceled because of COVID course yeah that was that was one of my bucket list things i've never seen the grand canyon and oh, man. so i made plans immediately once i had my second flare i like i'm going to the grand canyon we made all these plans we had this big trip planned and then covid wiped it out so we'll we'll go in june of next year as long yeah. as my health stays good which i anticipate i'm mean, feeling great now um not to interrupt your story but no no it's amazing that we had that that in common oh yeah i mean i i that place just blew my mind. Like I, I can like down, down the States, like your park system is so just, it's amazing. There's so much national pride in those parks. Right. And um, it's like, it's stunning. Like it's, it's, you know, I, I would use the term a religious experience being down in those places. It's so wow. cool. Wow. Um, that's, so that's, yeah, I, I well, let me that. just share this, that when I was younger, I used to go to a place in Canada, uh, just north of Minnesota, called the uh, Quitico Wilderness. Okay, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's uh, it's amazing fishing. And we flew in in a float plane, and they dropped us off, and then we paddled 110 miles back to our original destination and fished and camped the whole way. And that was sort of my religious experience. <laughs> I did that three <laughs> times, uh, and usually in June, and the fishing was amazing and. And I was thinking, wow, Canada has this great park system. And not, you know, it's I'm just just a funny how you think the other guys have it better. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's yeah. I mean, Canada's Canada's a cool place, but you know, you never the grass is always greener, right? You grow up one right. place, right? You grow up in the forest. You grow up in the mountains, and you want to see the desert. You grow up in the desert, and you want to see the mountains, right? Like, right, right. Well, I live in the mountains, and and in Western Virginia and Roanoke, and I and I absolutely love it here. But let me ask you this, because. I think this is something that a lot of SARC patients struggle with. So you did those trips and you're trying to live your life. You feel okay, but you're like, man, I better, I better get to this while I can. And you tend to force it in maybe more than the rest of your life easily accommodates. Do you find yourself kind of weighing those things? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, that, that trip was, was extremely ambitious. I think I drove 16,000 kilometers uh, on that trip. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty short period of time. So we pushed ourselves very, very hard. And there was days um, that, I, that I really struggled. And I know now, um, at that time, I was, off, I was off prednisone. I'd been off prednisone my first six-month, you know, run of it. Um, I was recently off. Um, and I was on a drug called Amaran, which I think is azathioprine. Yeah, I'm and, taking that now. 
Yep. Yeah. And it, it did, it ended up not working for me. So when I got my tests done around Christmas, they said, yeah, your inflammation's as bad as when you're in the hospital, we got to put you on something else. And also back on prednisone. <laughs> so, oh, How many milligrams of prednisone? They started me on 60. Yeah. Uh, and then I was on 60 typically for about three to four months. And then they'd start weaning me down. I would spend a little bit of time at 40. So I'd go from 60, wean down to 40, spend a little bit of time at 40, and then wean off five milligrams a week, basically, until yeah, yeah. Until the I end. know that drill. I, st I started at 80 and weaned off. So it took a, the best part of a year to get off prednisone. How were you on prednisone? Did you gain a lot of weight? Did your face get puffy? Were you cranky? Yeah. Um, thankfully, I didn't have the insomnia problems a lot of people had. Mm -hmm. um, Although I did find, because I took it in the morning, on 60 milligrams or higher, like you get a buzz. Like you get like almost a boost in the morning. It's like a, it's like a super strong cup of coffee. It gets you going. But yeah. then by yeah. noon, it, it turns on you. But um, it's, uh, I, yeah, I got the big hump on the back, which yep. I'm still waiting to go down this time around. The moon face is starting to go down a little bit for me now that I'm in, I'm only at 2.5 milligrams right now. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, I gained between the two prednisone runs in the last year, I gained 45 to 50 pounds. Wow. Um, wow. You know, and part of that was like when, when you're on prednisone, you're just, you're hungry all, you're just ravenous. All the time. And you're not ravenous for vegetables and fruit. You're ravenous for chips and chocolate and pizza and, you know, and you're also really stressed, right? Like, you know, a lot of people have problems stress eating when they're, when they're upset. And I, I'm a, I'm a prime example of that. You know, I, I unfortunately probably could have exercised a little bit more self-control. So it's, I, you know, the prednisone definitely is, is the main culprit, but it was, you know, it was, it was a tough time emotionally too. And unfortunately I'm a man that likes to eat his feelings from time to time. And, yeah. and that's been really, really tough. And now I'm trying very, very hard. I've started, uh, I started a running, learn, like learn to run 5k program. We bought a treadmill and, um, you know, I've been cycling. My, my dad um, got me an e-bike, which was incredible to him Yeah. Um, that I can cycle with my wife. Cause she's, she loves road bikes. She could cycle all day, every day. Um, me too. And I was always afraid to go out with her because I was just like, what if we get like 20 kilometers out of the city and I get tired, like I get tired and I can't make it back. So, you know, it's, there's just been a lot of support that way. Um, but swinging back to, you know, the, the hiking and the travel, you know, in the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, I just had a particularly bad day. I was just struggling immensely to keep up and, and you know, sweating really badly and, and stuff. So, you know, there was a lot of inflammation there. And even though the, the pacemaker does its thing to hide a lot of those symptoms, you still can feel quite unwell when you're on SARC and have a lack of energy and stuff. And, um, and I, I felt very guilty, you know, I felt, I felt extremely guilty because I felt like I was holding my wife back because she had always wanted to see these places too. And we helped, we had to limit, you know, how ambitious we were with hikes and, and, and stuff, but you know, but that's not reality, right? That's not really how your family members and your loved ones feel about you, but you know, it's, it's a, you have to try and keep some of those emotions in check, but yeah, it can be really hard. Yeah, and and it sounds like you were uh, extremely athletic, um, and maybe um, used to being the person walking at the front of the line and not the back of the line. Is that true? Yeah, uh, depends on the activity. I was always pretty good at pretty good at hockey and and burst type sports. No, not so much uh, not so much endurance running or cycling or anything. I was always a heavier kid. Okay, uh, 
you know, so I was always kind of used to being the fat kid and being at the back of the line. But yeah, it, it was a huge drop of the fitness from where I was, you know, two, three years before to my diagnosis was, it was, uh, it was certainly an upsetting drop. Can you play hockey anymore? Um, there's nothing physically preventing me from playing hockey, but the doctors really don't want me to do it because hockey's, a, I mean, as a goaltender, you're, you're obviously getting frozen, you know, cow pies shot at you at a billion miles an hour. And uh, when you have a, a thing in your body that will shock your heart, <laughs> right? Uh, they don't really want you in, in high contact situations. Um, Cause they're like, you're going to not have a good time if that thing goes off on you. Uh, while you're playing, if it gets hit with a, if you get hit with a puck right in the right spot or, you know, you get um, tackled into the net or whatever, you know, the, the leads can get disconnected. Um, you know, potentially it could go off and they said, you know, just call it retire, find something else. Right. I want to listen to another portion of your song zombie. Uh, again, we're talking with Mark Steyer of Alberta, Canada, uh, who has written a song, uh, based upon his experience with sarcoidosis. And I want you to, again to listen to the lyrics that begin, wherever there is happiness, fight to be there too. And let's listen to that. Wherever there is happiness, fight to be there too. And remember there are friendly smiles, try hard to smile too. And wherever there is sunshine, don't let fear darken you. And whatever happens, please remember right now, be lost to you. Whoa. So, Mark, it says, wherever there are friendly smiles, try hard to smile, too. Whenever there is sunshine, don't let fear darken you. It sounds like this is the advice you're giving to people that maybe has worked for you. Uh, and I think it's something that, uh, based upon my, my own experience, my conversations with other SARC patients, um, everybody is trying to get to that place. Yeah. And it's... And you know, I don't know that you 100% get there. I think that line is more about, um, you know, whether, whether you're dealing with, with something like sarcoidosis or, um, or, you know, even depression, right? Like it's any, any time, any, anytime there's, there's difficulty in life, you have to try and look, you have to try and find not even a silver lining, but just little things and appreciate them, right? And that's a constant challenge. We're not, I don't think as human beings are really wired to do that, um, at least not in, in this generation. Um, you know, we're, we're very focused on what's, what others are doing. And we compare ourselves to others with social media and, and stuff like that. It's a very, um, it is what it is, um, but it's, it's tough to, to put a smile on your face because, you know, this one little thing happened today or, you know, for whatever reason, like for me, I've, I've taken to um, just really enjoying animal life a lot more. So whether it's the birds in the backyard, you know, I call them the fat birds, little sparrows, mm -hmm. um, you know, or just 
I follow a, on Instagram, I follow a, a business out of Idaho called Black Bear Rehab. And it's just these like adorable little black bears and they post videos and stuff all the time. And, you know, just little things like that, that aren't really consequential things, but they're, they just, they can put a smile on your face. They can change your mood a little bit. Um, so there's that aspect of it too. But what that really is more than anything is a shout out to family and friends, you know, that were there and have been unconditionally supportive and no matter really what's going on and no matter how bad things might seem, those people are there, you know, and you can always, um, you can always, you know, count on them and, and reach out to them and, and people are always willing to, if you, if you turn, you know, the situation around that it's somebody that you love that has this thing instead of yourself, you know, and you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, you know, I would, I would, I would cross oceans. I would, you know, do whatever this person, this person that I love and that I care about. Um, but for whatever reason, when it's ourselves, we feel like we're a burden or we're letting people down or those people, there's a limit to their love. Right. And you can, you know, you just, you can't do that. And so that line came from, um, a old, I think it's an Irish blessing that I had heard. I don't know if it was from my great grandpa or, or whatever, but I heard it somewhere in the past and it just kind of clicked when I was writing the song. I said like, how am I going to finish this? How do I put a positive spin on this otherwise dark song? Um, and so I Googled it and unfortunately in its actual, <laughs> and it's the actual thing is, syllably from a syllable perspective it doesn't really work with the melody so i i ended up changing it and kind of personalizing it quite a bit probably to the point where no one would recognize it uh -huh. but that's kind of where it started so you know the lines about um friendly smiles and you know wherever there's happiness and sunshine those are typically not lines that i would write um you know because they're out of context maybe a little bit cheesy but i thought you know it it was just kind of a universal thing. I mean, the Irish are fantastic at their toasts and their blessings and their, right. So obviously it's something that's connected with people before. So, right. Well, you know, I think you think it's cheesy and it talked to me, I'll tell you that. And, um, you know, I think that song takes you right down the sarcoidosis path from the fear to acceptance, to an opportunity to see how to come out of it. And that, that journey is what you've just described to me in this interview, whether you realize it or not. Uh, and so philosophically, maybe you don't want to give yourself credit for it. I appreciate that. But I don't, I don't hear cheesiness in that. I hear uh, inspiration and solid advice. And I just wanted to tell you that. I appreciate that. Sure. Um, so now you've written this song, Zombie. And... You are, you know, obviously a very talented musician. Some of these listeners can't see that I'm talking to you right now. And you've got one, two, three, four, at least five electric guitars hanging on the wall behind you. And there may be more out of the view of the camera, I suspect. Yeah, there there is. are. There's a few more. <laughs> okay. uh, so uh, hockey and music are your thing. Um, but uh, why don't you just... Tell everybody how you would like this song to maybe raise some money for FSR, what you were thinking when you sat down and wrote it, and, and how you produced it. Um, so this, the music itself for this song was written before my diagnosis. Um, oh, okay. It was actually, we, we had the song more or less composed musically. Um, and, you know, some of, 
some of the songwriting credit needs to also go to my friend Nathan Woodward and his uh, his wife uh, Jenny McFarlane, um, who are fantastic musicians, um, and they helped me kind of piece piece the pieces together in a in a cohesive way. So I got to give them a lot of credit. But um, I was having trouble putting lyrics to it. Um, there was a couple of ideas that I had, but just nothing nothing felt right. And um, after my diagnosis. Um, cause it, I mean, just like down there, our, our tax season is, you know, March and April, it's super busy for accountants. If there's any accountants listening, they know what I'm talking about. Um, so when I got out of the hospital, March 1st is when I was discharged. I immediately jumped into work. Um, so I had no break. I just, I was working, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks immediately after, um, thankfully I work from home. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, I was able to manage that a lot better, um, and be more comfortable, but. Um, so after, after busy season, after April 30th hit, um, my parents were actually down in Phoenix, um, spending a couple of months down there. They're semi-retired now. Um, so they were renting a place down there and they said, you know what, like you sound, so they were calling me and they're like, you sound horrible. Like we're worried about you just fly down and spend five days with us. And so I said, okay, I'm not, you don't have to ask me twice. I'm, I'm going down. Um, and so when I was down there. Um, I just, I had a lot of time. We didn't really, normally we hike and we do stuff. And that time I was just kind of sitting by the pool and just, you know, lounging around and feeling sorry for myself more than anything. Um, and then I just, one night I started writing it and I got mo the two verses, the two verses written and an idea melodically for the chorus. Um, and, uh, then when I got home and I showed it to uh, my friends, Nathan and Jenny, they said, yeah, you got to run with this. It's awesome. You know, these are, you know, just keep working on it. And, um, and yeah, over a couple of weeks after that, I finished working on lyrics and kind of got them polished to the point where I was happy with them. And I felt it got the message out. And I guess to answer your question, um, the, I guess, you know, the message is, is exactly that it's a journey through the process, right? From the beginning, you know, the, the song zombie is, is how you feel after something like that, you know, with, with sarcoidosis, you have lack of energy, when you're on prednisone, you feel, you feel bad, you're gaining weight, you know, that's a direct line, you know, a direct reference in the line, um, feeding and stumbling. Um, you're just eating right. constantly. You have no energy. Um, you know, you, you have a brain fog going cause you know, there's a, there's a level of, of kind of depression that goes along with being hit with something like that. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of goes through like, okay, this is, this is the reality, I guess. I got to learn to, to deal with some of this stuff. Um, you're trying to keep up the pace. That's the line is referring to trying to, trying to live at the same pace you were before, right? Whether that's going to the gym every day or you're trying to do the things that you know and love and struggling. And you can't do it. And you can't. And, um, and then, you know, when you go into the, the I guess, the pre-chorus and the chorus of the song, it's, you know, my friend Jenny describes it as, as that male, the young man frustration that you can just clench your teeth and ball your fists and just, you know, juggernaut your way through difficult situations. And, uh, but you can't do that with, with this sort of a thing. It actually is the other way around. You have to have that compassion. And, you know, so there's, there's a, the, you know, the, the chorus is kind of, you know, the fear that I fight and all that stuff is very, um, as I guess is we're kind of reflective of that frustration. Um, but then, you know, it's again, but I'm, I'm still upright. I'm still, you know, that's the refrain at the end of the chorus. 
it's like I'm still standing. I I can fight this. I can I can still live a good mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the the second thing is like yeah, it's coming to accept it. Um, and and try and find a you know just a, a way to come to terms with that and then the end of it is is that okay now you have to really look at the little things in life and and still find meaning and and value there so the message is that it's it, at least for me is that it's it's a journey but it's also kind of a constant battle right um and so you know, whether it's whether it's other patients your family or whatever you've got support yeah okay so now this song um you, you're trying to raise some some revenue from the song. You want to donate that to FSR. If and we will play the song in its entirety uh, at the end of the interview, just so folks know. But um, if uh, if people want to um, somehow donate, or how how does the song make money for FSR? Yeah, and you know what? I, I haven't it, it, initially before I I heard your podcast and you know felt that okay, I should reach out and see if there's a way that we can. You know, a you know, I said in my initial, I'm just not a self promoter kind of a guy. You know, it's maybe not the best trait for a for a businessman or a musician, but um, I just feel uncomfortable doing it. But I felt, you know, by reaching out to you and and you know potentially getting on the podcast and sharing my story that it, you know it's 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 more about hopefully kind of helping other people. Um, and you know, anybody that knows anything about the music business, uh, you know, just streams don't typically earn a ton of revenue, um, you know, but it does earn some. And, you know, so my, my thought initially was, let's see how much traction we can get on this song in a year. And then at the end of the year, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we'll have raised a couple hundred bucks in streams or whatever, just whatever it is. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to donate that, you know, to SFR because it's, you know, they're, they're doing what they're doing is helping all of us immensely. And again, it's probably a pretty small drop in the bucket, but with these things, you know, the more people that are, you know, that are raising awareness and that are raising funds and stuff, it all adds up and it's all, it's all going towards a good cause. So at this time, you know, I I don't have a, uh, a GoFundMe or anything like that set up. Um, If people like the song and, and I I would just encourage them to to donate directly to, to the SFR. Well, I would, I would say, um, and I'm just spitballing here, so if people are listening, you know, I don't know if this will come to pass, but one of the things I've done is, I, you know, they have a, uh, when people do a 5K or whatever, they have this KISS account that you can create, kick in to stop sarcoidosis. Uh, so I created a KISS account, and I encourage people to donate um, to that, and I actually have a little public service announcement that runs sometimes during the podcast where they can donate to my KISS account. Uh, and then I used, um, and then, well, I didn't, I didn't use the KISS account, but I also did a bike ride last year and raised some money that way, but that went, that went through a different path. Um, so perhaps, uh, and if you do decide to create a KISS account, I can put that in the show notes, and that could be a way for people to just click on that and, and make a donation. Uh, yeah, could, name, after this, could you email me a link? I will. Uh, I will. I can, yep. And it's right on their website too. It's okay. right on the FSR website also. So I, I'll, I'll set that up and uh, I'll, you know, I'll post it on the, on the white hot lizards Facebook page. Um, and then, you know, perhaps we'll, we'll connect and you can share it on your Facebook sure. page or whatever. So easier for people to find, but yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And I would encourage once we get all that set up, I would encourage all of our listeners to 
to push it out on their social media because, um, you know, this is a song that uh, is, it's an instrumental, uh, just a, I guess, just a guitar in the background and, and you singing and it's not, you know, it, it could appeal to just about anybody, no matter what their taste in music. Um, so, you know, it's not hard rock, it's not rap, it's not something that could be defined as something, you know, outside of people's typical um, musical parameters, as it were. Uh, very, uh, it's just very easy to listen to. So, and that song that we're talking about again is, is Zombie. So, uh, all right, so uh, in, in retrospect, why don't you just give us kind of some final thoughts on where you are, you're a newlywed, you started a new business, you're fighting this thing, you've done some bucket list things, but you're, you're also upright and doing okay. Yeah. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I feel for um, a lot of other sarcoidosis patients out there, you know, like whether, you know, if you get caught early enough, it's actually funny that my father-in-law has sarcoidosis in his lungs. Really? Go figure. Yeah. He, uh, and I didn't know that. And when I got diagnosis, he's like, Oh, I I've got that. And uh, we were like, really? Um, and, uh, I mean, he's, 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 he's fine. They caught it quite early. Um, and he has some scarring and stuff, but he's off medication now and, and he's doing good. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a thing that, that yes, it's a rare disease and it's not a particularly well understood disease. Um, but it does affect a lot of people. And it, unfortunately it's a, it's a mean son of a gun in the sense that it goes after organs that are kind of really important. Um, whether that's you know, your, your spot, your, your nerve system include, you know, I would include, you know, the spinal cord in that, mm -hmm. in the nervous system, it goes after the brain, it goes after the eyes, it goes after the heart, it goes after the lungs, it goes after the skin. Um, and oftentimes not just one, typically two or more. Um, so it's, it's a mean, mean disease. And, and thankfully, you know, it's morbid, but I, when I get really down, I say, well, you know, at least it's attacking organs that you can get transplants for. <laughs> right. Like, right. Yeah. Um, you know, and not everybody, not everybody can say that. Right. And it's, um, you know, so I feel very, very fortunate, even though the heart is, is one of the more rare, uh, places that it attacks. Um, you know, from, from a lifestyle perspective, you know, the pacemaker does its thing. I'm used to how that feels now. Um, you know, I hopefully, uh, you know, Imran and azathioprine didn't, didn't work for me. Um, and now I'm on a, a biosimilar called infliximab. Um, which, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot about that drug and it can be very, uh, intimidating just because it's a, it's, it's a very expensive drug. Like the Remicade is the brand name version and it's, it's very expensive and yep. I've taken that too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, you have to go and you have to get injections and, you know, I've heard people online with Crohn's, um, which is often treated with infliximab that have said, man, it feels like chemotherapy. It feels like you're going to you know, to get chemo done and, and you having had chemo done, maybe you can speak to that. Um, but it's, it's an intimidating thing, but the reality of it is, is for most people and for myself, it's a fantastically unobtrusive drug. Like it's, you feel good on it. There's very few side effects. Um, you know, so I just, I feel very, very fortunate that I've been able to continue living my life, you know, with shades of what it was before and, and that I feel generally, generally okay. Um, you know, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a horrible, horrible disease and it's, it's a process. And, you know, I think the key is regardless of the diagnosis is just try and keep your head up and try and find that joy in every day. 
Yeah, because you never. And one other thing I would like. To, yeah, and one other thing I would like to conclude with um, is there. I now again I stay off the internet. It's just my my thing. I would just be just I'd, I'd be beside myself all the time. But on Facebook, and my mom is a part of this group, um, and she kind of keeps an eye on it for me. Um, but it's one of the sarcoidosis support groups. I think it's the cardiac sarcoidosis support group that she was a part of. And, um, and that's from, from what I've, what I've heard and what she showed me is, is an incredible group. There's a lot of people out there that are extremely supportive and are happy to share their stories. And, and when I was in the hospital, um, and I won't name any names, obviously, but, uh, my mom joined that, that group and she was, um, reached out to privately, um, by another member who was also a mom. She was an ex nurse and her son almost detail by detail had the exact same situation that I did. Um, and it continued, the parallels continue to be uncanny. He was a little younger than me, um, but he's more or less recovered now entirely. Um, the same drugs that didn't work for me, didn't work for him. You know, the timelines were very similar and, um, and she was so supportive and just so incredible. And, you know, I can't thank her enough. That was such a comfort um, during, during a difficult time for everybody. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, this podcast, I guess, is the audio version of that. Uh, a place where people can gather, where they can hear uh, other people's stories, where they can uh, discover um, what other people are doing and feeling and how the various drugs are working and knowing that uh, sometimes it's hard to convince yourself that you're not being lazy. It really is the drug. You, you just, you just can't do what you used to be able to do. Uh, but you think that you are just uh, rationalizing. So I don't have to do anything today because I don't feel like it. Uh, when, in, when in fact you really, um, this is what happens to everybody. And it, it's good to know that it's not just you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Mark Steyer, thank you so much for your song, Zombie. Thank you for sharing your story and your insights and, and your inspiration with all of us on the Start Fighter podcast. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. there is happiness, fight to be there too. And remember there are friendly smiles, try hard to smile too. And wherever there is sunshine, don't let fear darken you. And whatever happens, please remember right now, belongs to We've heard the song now in bits and pieces, and before I play it in its entirety, let me, let me once again thank Mark for reaching out and bravely sharing his story. It's not easy. Uh, I don't understand, by the way, all the way musicians make money from songs online, but I hope you will listen and maybe share it on your social media, share it within your sarcoidosis community with your friends if it, if it somehow helps you explain what you can't put into words about how you feel some days. And I will mention that Mark has opened a KISS account, Kick In to Stop Sarcoidosis, 
where you can donate directly to FSR, maybe as a way of thanking him for his song or showing appreciation for his efforts, his craftsmanship, uh, what he is going through. Uh, and if this is something that motivates you to say, well, I've been looking for an excuse to maybe make a donation to the foundation, this might be a great one. And you can just click on the link to his KISS account and all the money goes straight into that account and then straight to 100% of it to the foundation for sarcoidosis research. And of course, all my information is there in the show notes as well. And again, if you have a story to tell, uh, please reach out and, and let's talk about this. Uh, we can talk about diet, we can talk about uh, a multitude of other things related to sarcoidosis. Maybe you have a success story related to sarcoidosis. Uh, I'd love to hear that. Haven't heard many of those. So uh, whatever it is, uh, you can contact me and all of my contact info is in the show notes. The best thing to do is just send me an email. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep fighting.
right to be there too And remember there are friendly smiles Try hard to smile too And wherever there is sunshine Don't let fear darken you And whatever happens, please remember I know